Hello, and welcome to the Diet Diatribe podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I just want to wish everyone a happy new year. We're going to jump right into the podcast and talk about a few interesting little things that I found this year for diet and exercise. First of all, there was an article that came out in Eating Well, and it's titled, Study Finds Physical Activity, Not Weight Loss is Key to Reducing Health Risks. And Carla Walsh was the author of this one. In the U.S., more than 7 out of 10 adults, that's about 73.6%, age 20 and over are obese or overweight, according to the latest data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That percentage may sound a little bit shocking, but when you realize these categories rely on the body mass index system, maybe not so much. But many leading causes of death, including heart disease, are tied to an individual's weight. Recently, several researchers have been trying to determine to what extent this correlation is true, especially since three-quarters of American adults are at risk here. But Dr. Glenn Geiser, Ph.D., is a professor of exercise science at Arizona State University, and he describes the six stages of what he calls the weight loss futile cycle as, number one, desire to weigh less, right? Number two, weight loss attempts. Number three, failure to reach weight loss goal or maintain weight loss. And number four, frustration and reduced adherence to weight loss programs. Number five, weight regain, overshoot. And number six, obesity prevalence. And then you're back to square one, right? Does that sound familiar? Yes, it certainly does for me. The weight loss message is not and has not been working. Geiser tells WebMD in December, the health benefits of exercise and diet are largely independent of weight loss. In this guy's paper, he says obesity treatment, weight loss versus increasing fitness and physical activity for reducing health risks. This was published September 21st in the journal iScience. He finds that shifting the focus from weight loss to increased physical activity and improving cardiorespiratory fitness lowers the risk for death. Geyser and his team believe there's a healthier lifestyle choice that many people make when they attempt to lose weight, like eating more fruits and vegetables and getting more exercise. This delivers a longevity boost, but not necessarily less weight, right? So previous studies have proven that ramping up physical activity lowers the risk of death from any cause by 15 to 50%. It also decreases the risk of heart disease by as much as 40%. The benefit of regular exercise is even more drastic when the activity improves your heart health, increasing circulation, lowering blood pressure, slowing your resting heart rate. So hopping from the least fit to the most fit category can slash mortality risk by 30 to 60%, researchers say. But the benefits only stick around as long as the fitness routine stays in place, they say as well. So adherence to exercise is just as challenging as adherence to diets. We all know this. We think one of the reasons for this is that exercise has been promoted primarily as a means to lose weight. So it's a constant battle for reasons in and out of our control. And in a July 2021 interview of 149 studies that involved exercise interventions of two weeks to 12 months, participants lost an average of three to eight pounds. So the human body isn't really designed to like to lose weight, so it may slow the metabolism by about 28% in an attempt to make up for calories burned during exercise. It can also increase your appetite, right? Being aware of the gap between anticipated and actual weight loss is important, according to doctors. Seeing a lower number on the scale is not a healthy goal. Gaining fitness through an exercise regime suited to the individual is. Staring down at the scale can be discouraging. Eliminating that from a fitness routine may help those who have been tempted to throw in the towel on this. But 
Doctors say, here's the bottom line, emphasizing the intrinsic value of physical exercise and cardiorespiratory fitness as primary outcomes may avoid repeating failures associated with weight-centric approaches. So focus on being healthier for the new year is essentially what they are saying. Um, interesting little article that I saw here. This one was actually on Market Watch, and it was written by Jeanette Setembre. And it's called, There is One Key to Significant Weight Loss, and You Can Get It for Under $20. If you want to lose weight, a simple bathroom scale may be the key, research shows. Indeed, this study is published in the Journal of Obesity, found that daily self-weighing can produce clinically significant weight loss. While another published in the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics concluded that weighing every day matters. Daily weighing improves weight loss and adoption of weight control behaviors. And a recent study of more than a thousand people over the course of a year from the American Heart Association found that people who never weighed themselves or only weighed once a week did not lose weight on average. Well, those that did it six to seven times a week had significant weight loss. With that in mind, we asked doctors and nutritionists which bathroom scales they recommend. Not sure which scale you should pick. The key is not necessarily the exact number on the scale, but being able to track the change, say experts, about monitoring weight loss and weight gain. Everyone has different needs depending on how tech savvy they are. Adding a Wi-Fi option is one of the best. It's cheap, reliable, and accurate. Go check out reviews online, look at Amazon, find yourself a scale, folks. It seems like that is one of the keys to weight loss, is making sure that you do that every day. As much as we say don't do that sometimes, it is something that appears to be research proven data there. Let's talk about another little exercise tidbit. This one came out in Yahoo Life. It's written by Heather Adams. It's called, This Little Known Effect Might Be Why Exercise is So Great at Fighting Inflammation. A tough workout, a long run, or a gentle yoga flow can leave you feeling reinvigorated and even relaxed. But if you've ever felt a little, well, high after a workout, you might not be imagining it. It turns out that science has pinpointed some unique benefits that come with regular exercise. And getting your body moving just might be equal to taking a little CBD. <laughs> While CBD doesn't actually give you a marijuana-like high, it does offer potential benefits like stress relief, feelings of relaxation, and even pain relief from some ailments. And new research suggests that like CBD, exercise could positively influence your endocannabinoid system, delivering some pretty impressive perks for your overall health. You already know regular exercise is important to stay well and in good health. Medical experts tout its benefits from increased longevity to muscle building and increased strength to warding off illness and disease. And now a new research study is giving you one more reason to pick up your weights or hit the pavement. Regular exercise can reduce inflammation and its associated complications, believe it or not. A November 2021 study published in Gut Microbes examined the effect of regular exercise on individuals living with arthritis. Scientists studied 78 participants, having 38 of them practice 15 minutes of muscle strengthening exercises daily for six weeks, and 40 of them made no changes at all to their routine. By the study's end, the participants who exercised experienced a reduction in their arthritis pain and had lower levels of inflammatory substances present in their bodies. While it's long been known that exercise can be beneficial for chronic inflammation and inflammatory ailments like arthritis, scientists weren't exactly certain how exercise had such a positive effect. And based on the study's findings, the answer just might be in the gut. 
it turned out that regular exercise actually altered a participant's gut microbes. Wow, right? Getting in just 15 minutes of muscle strengthening moves left participants with an increased number of gut microbes that produced SCFAS, or short-chain fatty acids, a kind of anti-inflammatory substance. It seems that regular exercise filters the gut microbes, encouraging production of SCFAS, and then may ultimately lower overall inflammation throughout the body. And there was one other surprising effect too. The participants who exercised also saw increased levels of cannabis-like substances or endocannabinoids, substances produced by the participant's own body. So what are endocannabinoids? This probably sounds like a familiar term to a lot of you out there, and they sound an awful lot like cannabinoids, which are compounds found in cannabis plants and products. These substances are actually found in your body, and your own body naturally produces endocannabinoids. Endocannabinoids are cannabis-like substances that are used as neurotransmitters. They help regulate key functions within your body like energy levels, blood pressure, immune responses, memory, and learning but they're also pretty similar to the cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis plant. And your body's very own endocannabinoids actually work like marijuana and CBD too. When your body releases endocannabinoids, it can alter everything from your mood to your pain to inflammation. Higher levels of endocannabinoids can lower pain levels, put you in a better mood, and help you fight inflammation naturally. It's like taking CBD and getting all of the same perks, but without spending money on specialty products. The fact that Gut Microbes Research Study uncovered that regular exercise generates the production holds some great promise for those living with chronic inflammation. And it's also potentially beneficial for anyone who wants to reap the potential inflammation and stress-soothing effects of CBD in a more natural way. Regular exercise can lead your gut microbes to generate more inflammation-fighting SCFAS and endocannabinoids. In fact, the endocannabinoids had a significant impact on inflammation and arthritis pain in the study. According to the researchers' findings, at least one-third of the anti-inflammatory substances that were produced by the gut happened as a result of an increase in endocannabinoids. That, in turn, means that working out is kind of like taking CBD, believe it or not. When you take CBD, it works with your endocannabinoid system, the ECS, and its receptors help your body naturally produce more endocannabinoids. Similarly, when you exercise, you're altering your gut microbes and encouraging your ECS to increase its natural production of endocannabinoids. And this means that regular exercise just might have the same effect without taking oils, tablets, or topical treatments to get all the benefits that CBD may offer. And when it comes to inflammation, exercising to produce your own natural endocannabinoids can be particularly beneficial, and it could potentially help reduce or treat certain health conditions once more research is done. We'll keep you posted on that front, folks. All right, and while we're on the same page, I have one last article to share with all you, and it's from Living Magazine, and it's by Madeline Buneo. And it's called a few minutes of high intensity exercise per day can reduce your risk of liver disease, new research shows. Whether you enjoy a daily walk or prefer high intensity sprints, it's well known that exercising regularly can improve your overall health. 
No matter how you choose to get a sweat session in, a new study conducted by researchers from Western Sydney University found that working out daily can prevent liver disease. The study authors discovered that not only does Moderate Intensity Continuous Training, or MICT, improve liver health, but short and more intense exercises work as well. To obtain their findings, researchers reviewed 28,000 previous studies related to the connection between exercise and liver health. The study authors chose to focus on 19 specific studies out of the thousands, which involved about 745 people. Studies examined liver fat levels using non-invasive measurement techniques like proton magnetic resonance spectropathy, or HMRS, and magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI. They found that regular aerobic exercise reduced liver fat levels by 3.14%, while high-intensity training led to a liver fat reduction of 2.85%. The results show that regular exercise can help people diagnosed with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is one of the most common liver diseases in the world. The condition, which affects up to 3 in 10 people, occurs when excess fat builds up in a patient's liver and is not linked to drinking alcohol in excess. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is a predictor of metabolic disorders, closely linked to the development and severity of various diseases like type 2 diabetes. Study researchers note that long draining workout sessions aren't the end-all be-all for improving health. Shorter sessions of high-intensity exercise followed by rest periods are also effective. Our review demonstrates the importance of regular aerobic exercise as an effective therapy in those at risk with both HIIT or HIT and MICT found to improve liver fat to similar degrees. It's useful information to know that by training harder in less time with your HIIT workouts, you can achieve the same results as MICT, which is ideal for those with a busy lifestyle and less time to work out. So let's switch gears just a little bit, and let's talk about five weight loss mistakes that can sabotage your New Year's resolutions and what experts recommend instead. This article came out in Insider, and it was written by Gabby Landsberg. Research suggests that more than half of people who make diet and exercise New Year's resolutions fail to stick to them, only to reboot the same goals the next year. To avoid spinning your wheels each January, dietitians recommend steering clear of common mistakes, like exercise, like excessive restriction and crash diets. Instead, good habits and a lot of patience can help you stay on track. You don't have to compensate for gaining weight during the holidays by severely cutting back afterwards. The biggest mistakes people make is feeling like they need to be really strict on diets, experts say. You're entitled to enjoy what you're eating. Instead, aim for a flexible mindset in your goals. A food journal can be a helpful way to explore your relationship to food and process how you're feeling while working toward a healthy routine. If you're currently dealing with a lot of stress, reconsider a diet that totally overhauls your lifestyle, the experts say. A busy schedule, a lack of sleep, or stressful events can mean you're less likely to have the resources and support to pull off a dramatic dietary shift. If you don't have the energy and time to prepare for success, you're not going to succeed, the insiders say. Instead, focus on managing your stress and make sure you're mentally and physically prepared for a change. Don't try to change everything at once. You can still make healthy changes under stress by starting small, say registered dietitians. One simple fix is creating a routine and sticking to it. This can help you stave off hunger and set you up for success. A structure to your day will help naturally ease some stress and anxiety and add a little bit of self-care. 
rather than overthinking or cutting out nutrients like carbs and fat, but focus on incorporating protein and veggies. If you make sure you're adding a protein and some produce when you eat, you'll be fine. You don't have to know the science behind it, you'll feel good. Cutting out favorite foods is not sustainable. Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to cut out beloved treats to lose weight. If you think cutting carbs is the most effective but makes you die inside, don't do it. A sample structure for treating yourself is the 80-20 rule. Make healthy, nutrient-dense food about 80% of your diet and 20% of the foods you enjoy regardless of the nutritional value. Even high-calorie treats have a place in a healthy diet since enjoying them can help stave off mindless snacking. And then finally, trying to rush your results can backfire. Weight loss isn't linear, it's normal to have stalls along the way. Trying to speed things up by cutting out calories or foods can lead to burnout. You don't have to be more strict, you have to be more patient. Instead, look for signs of progress behind the scale like more energy or consistency with healthy habits. Don't confuse stability with stagnation. Stagnation is not progressing. Stability is about appreciating where you are and appreciating your body at any stage. Well, this is very helpful information indeed. I'm going to talk about seven food resolutions nutritionists wish you'd make this year. This article was written by Julie Kendrick and was in HuffPost originally. Those vague and lofty New Year's resolutions, like eat better and be healthy, often don't last past January, and I think we all know this, right? Why not keep it simple this year? We talk to nutritionalists nationwide for their suggestions on smart, doable resolutions to take nourishing care of yourself in the year ahead. Number one, begin with your mind and not your mouth. Registered dietitians say they wish people would resolve to go for more enjoyment this year and abandon the all or nothing thinking about eating. It doesn't matter what you ate yesterday, your body still needs nourishment today. So every time you eat, you'll have the opportunity to feel your best and that's a superpower all in its own. I wish more people would resolve to give themselves permission to eat the foods they love, registered dietitians say. This year, learn how to make peace with those foods and incorporate them into your diet regularly. Resolve to find joy in the kitchen. Instead of focusing on what to avoid, focus on adding a bounty of whole foods to your eating repertoire this year. Resolve to stop overthinking your eating choices, which robs you of truly being present when you eat, and reflect on your eating behaviors. Challenge your irrational and negative thoughts and move on after that. It's quite a process, but taking these steps allows you to go, learn, and look ahead. Number two, eat more plants. Several of the nutritionists made a case for the simple resolution to eat more plants. They're extremely nutrient-dense and they contain plenty of antioxidants to keep your cells healthy. They always recommend that you eat at least half of your plate plants. And while fresh is great, you could also lean on convenience produce with frozen and dehydrated options. Registered dietitians hope this year we can resolve to turn around the recent decline in plant consumption. Given the power of fresh fruits and veggies to reduce the risk for disease and death, it's astounding that we're actually eating less of them. Researchers further suggest avoiding packaged goods and heading right for the real thing. Why look for plant-based on a processed food label when you can simply walk to the produce aisle and load up on delicious fresh plants, right? Resolution three, start a garden. If you've resolved to eat more plants, the easiest way to do that is from your own backyard patio or windowsill garden, which is an excellent idea, right? You don't have to start with an extravagant space that has enough veggies to fill a farmer's market. Your garden can be as simple as a few window boxes of herbs or a potted tomato plant. A good first step, they say, is to figure out what to grow. 
When buying seeds or plants, ask about varieties that will do best in the conditions you have to work with. For example, compact tomato plants do particularly well in containers, so that might be something that you want to consider. Resolution four, consider seafood. If you're in search of a perfect protein source, look no farther than seafood, they say. It's chocked full of nutrients like omega-3 fats, selenium, and vitamin D. Those nutrients are hard to find elsewhere, but they're abundant in most seafood and shellfish. Experts say eat seafood that's raised through land-based aquaculture, which they describe as involving no pollution to the environment, no evasive species escaping, no overfishing or fragile wild stocks, and zero exposure to toxic metals. Number five, mindful meals. This year, resolve no monotask on meals. Eating while distracted is one of the biggest eating issues that they encounter with clients. When we eat while distracted, our brains do not actually recognize what's happening, and this can lead to eating amnesia that takes us well past the point of fullness. Research shows, for example, that eating while using a smartphone can lead to consuming 25% more calories. To be energized by what you eat, listen to your hunger and fullness, and eat mindfully. Number six, source food with care. Registered dietitian nutritionists say they encourage people to get to know how the food you're eating got on your plate. Ask yourself questions like, is the produce from local producers? How did it grow? Where is the bread baked? How is this morning's breakfast cereal produced? Where do all the ingredients come from? And resolve to support fair, just, socially conscious food producers with your food dollars. And then finally, resolution number seven, try some alcohol-free drinks. Registered dietitian nutritionalist Amy Gorin loves the trend of alcohol-free drinks as part of resolution making. Drinking less but still enjoying what you drink is a great way to cut back on both alcohol intake and calories. There are so many options out there that you could try from alcohol-free drinks to juices and all kinds of sparkling waters and lots of other neat things are out there now with vitamins, minerals, nutrients, and hemp products and all kinds of other stuff. So why don't you go out and check out what's available out there. You can do a simple search online and it will help you find some of those non-alcoholic drinks that you might enjoy just as much as the alcoholic drinks. And then finally, eating beans and more plant-based foods should top your to-do list in 2022. This article is by Shea Rarbach and it came out in the Miami Herald. Are New Year's resolutions still a thing? I'm pretty sure everyone's New Year's wish is for COVID to disappear, right? Resolutions are usually related to improved health or relationships. This author asked two outstanding dietitian colleagues for guidance on how to shape health-promoting New Year's resolutions. Focus on meals built around enjoyment and more plant food options, say some of them. I couldn't agree more. The research demonstrating the health benefits of plant foods is solid. And this particular dietitian put enjoyment at the front because no one eats foods they do not enjoy. Find the vegetables you and your family enjoy and don't agonize over a partner who won't eat broccoli or asparagus. In the plant kingdom, there is something for everyone. A doable resolution would be to add a fruit, a vegetable, or a whole grain to your daily intake. When that becomes routine, add another. Yes, whole grains are plant foods. Doctors say, Ask consumers to ditch the mindset to shop the perimeter of the grocery store. While it's true that fresh fruits, veggies, dairies, meats, and fish are found on the perimeter, there's a bounty of nutritional goodness found in the interior. Canned or packaged foods like cereal, beans, tuna, salmon, rice, and pasta are affordable, 
nutrient-rich and have longer shelf life, leading to reduced food waste. Here's another suggestion, eat more beans. It's an enjoyable plant food that's also considered a protein, and the most convenient way to enjoy beans is from a can. Beans help control blood cholesterol and blood glucose levels, as well as supporting digestive health. Beans can be part of appetizers, entrees, and desserts. So get that can opener out and Google some bean recipes. All right, I hope that you guys have enjoyed this part of the show for the day. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can certainly shoot us an email. We're at lightningrodinfo at gmail.com. We will put that into the show notes as well as all of the articles that we have referenced today. We would ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe for our little podcast. Each week we try to bring you guys some interesting diet and exercise tips, as well as personal experiences and interviews. For those of you out here who are trying to maintain weight loss or lose weight or gain weight or anything that you would like to do to stay healthier and become more healthy, we try to talk about all those sorts of topics. Please join us again next week when we talk more about diet diatribes. Good night, folks.